Hello, everyone. I am Karen Das, and welcome to Appetite for Discussion TT. In this episode, joining me today, Dr. Akash Maniam. He's an oncologist who's currently practicing in the UK. He is also clinical director at the NGO Caribbean Cancer Research Initiative. Happy to have you on board once again, Dr. Maniam. It's always a pleasure to be here. Thank you. So as we continue our conversations on cancer, today's topic, we focus on chemotherapy. Now, when we, th- when we hear the word chemotherapy, we immediately conjure in- images of pain and discomfort, um, an emaciated appearance, partial or complete hair loss, and it, it gets worse from there. But it is frightening when you think about chemotherapy, even when you hear someone experiencing chemotherapy. So in this episode, let's see if we can assuage some of your concerns by having a deep understanding of what chemotherapy is, how it works, and what to expect. So Dr. Maniam, some people see chemotherapy as more toxic than therapeutic. So how about we start with a brief description of what is chemotherapy? Yeah, sure. I think that's a really interesting introduction. I think it really covers what most people feel about chemotherapy and Maybe you have to work on rebranding the word. It is a very heavy word, isn't it? It's um, loaded, yes. Honestly, we should just look at chemotherapy as just a way of treating cancer. It's just another tool in the toolbox. And we made so many advances in the past 20 years in treating cancer more targetedly and in a more sophisticated way. However, chemotherapy still has its place. All we mean when we say chemotherapy is that we're using drugs or pharmaceuticals um, to kill cancer cells. Quite simply, that is what we're looking to do. Okay, whether we give it through the vein or in tablet form, we're looking to give you medication to kill the cancer cells. So it's very different to surgery where they take it out or radiotherapy where you're hitting a specific area with radiation. This is something that we in oncology refer to as systemic therapy because it's working everywhere in the body. So it's a more general therapy, which obviously has its advantages and disadvantages. So when we say chemotherapy, that's what we're really talking about, therapy that kills cancer cells. So I remember there was a conversation about cancer at another time on another program, and someone had messaged in and said, Chemotherapy sounds worse than having the cancer itself. Um, and when you use words like kill cancer cells or destroy, somehow they, 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 that's where the thinking goes that it's, it's killing the cancer cells, but it's killing other parts of your body at the same time. Is that a myth or is there some fact to that? No, it's not, it's not a myth. It is, it is a really heavy word. And you're right. It, it's very hard to describe chemotherapy in a, in a gentler way. I suppose the reality is that in medicine, we look to find treatments that match the disease. So cancer is a very serious illness, a very serious range of illnesses with very severe implications. I suppose the phrase fighting fire with fire probably describes chemotherapy quite well because the treatment has to match up to what the disease is doing or can do to the body. It's just always difficult because Sometimes people may not feel very sick from their cancer. It may be very earlier on in their, in their treatment journey or they just may be coping with it very well at that point in time and you may be given treatment to prevent complications or to cure. And so sometimes it may feel like it's worse than the disease itself. 
and that's a completely valid way of looking at it because ultimately the patient is always right how the patient feels is always going to be valuable but the treatments are designed to to rise to the occasion so to speak they're not perfect but no matter how sophisticated and complex and nuanced cancer therapy has become we have not been able to get rid of chemotherapy it's still very much a staple of treating so many different cancers so it's not something that we would ever describe as fun or easy some treatments are gentler than others that's true but at its core it's tough because the treatment is designed to de- to fight against a very tough illness mm. I wouldn't want to come across as deceitful or lie to people and say it's a walk in the park it isn't but most people who have chemotherapy do get through it and ultimately if we can control cancer or cure cancer it's often worth a short term sacrifice by going through chemotherapy and that's how we tend to frame it when we're discussing it with patients we have a lot of evidence both from clinical trials and from the real world settings for the safety and the efficacy of chemotherapy It's a tool that we are very comfortable with because we understand how it works and we understand what it tends to do to people even though everybody is different and everybody's body is different as easy as it is to say we at least know in general how people are going to go with it and we have strategies to help make chemotherapy more tolerable At what stage in cancer one must consider chemotherapy Well this is a thing so you can use chemotherapy across the spectrum For some cancers it's actually the only sort of treatment that you tend to give. So for instance if you have cancers of the blood like leukemia or lymphoma you know chemotherapy would be used from early stage to late stage disease quite regularly. Um if you have say breast cancer we use chemotherapy very regularly for breast cancer even if it's sometimes stage 1, stage 2, stage 3, stage 4 we use chemotherapy across the board for conditions like pancreatic cancer um chemotherapy is used all the way across the different stages so there are different protocols different types of chemotherapy drugs and different regimens so sometimes you might use one sometimes you might use two at the same time sometimes you might even use three or four at the same time you might give one dose two doses five or six doses it really depends on the type of cancer the fitness of the person and what you're trying to achieve with it so there isn't a one size fits all with chemotherapy it is very much just a term that encompasses encompasses a range of treatments available and we use them either on their own or together in different ways and at different doses so it really is it really is hard to say specifically when you would use it we just use it in a wide variety of situations and depending on progress you'll know how many sessions one would need or is there standard well, number of sessions often there there are standard numbers when it comes to certain things so often in the in the situations where we're trying to cure cancer say you're giving chemotherapy before surgery or after surgery you know how many you want to give but that doesn't mean you end up getting there so you always are reviewing your patients before each cycle of chemotherapy or each session of chemotherapy they have you're going to find out how they're coping with it what side effects they have sometimes you miss a dose sometimes you you delay it by a week or so sometimes you reduce the dose to make it easier sometimes you add in extra medications to help patients cope with side effects it is very much a dynamic thing so it's not a one size fits all okay 
you need six cycles. We're going to give you six cycles no matter what. It's Let's aim for six cycles, but we check in before each one, see how you go and share the decision-making process. Now, in my introduction, I mentioned some of the side effects associated with chemotherapy. I can't help but wonder why. Why do we have such a reaction to chemotherapy? I mean, the weight loss and the damage to skin and nails. And I think hair loss is, is the most common reaction to chemotherapy. Why is that? You're, you're not alone. Um, I think, look, the way that we look at side effects of chemotherapy, generally, it's not a rule, but in general, cancer cells divide more quickly and more frequently than healthy cells. Normally, your cells divide as they grow, as they replace themselves, and then they die. Cancer escapes those normal checks and balances, so they divide quickly, they divide often, and they divide in an uncontrolled way. Chemotherapy targets that process of cell division, okay? So it affects cancer cells more than healthy cells. But there are some cells in the body that divide quickly as well, and that's where you more often would see side effects. So the cells that make up your hair, so the cells that contribute to hair growth and nail growth, for instance, divide very quickly. We know that if we cut our hair, our hair will grow back quite quickly. So many chemotherapy drugs do cause hair loss and can affect nail growth in the same way. So that is that is certainly a very common thing. And I suppose, unfortunately, for breast cancer, where most of our patients are female and for most women, hair loss is a valid concern, most of the regimens that we use in breast cancer do cause hair loss. But this is where I would deviate from how society feels. Because when society looks at a woman going through chemotherapy and they see hair loss, they may say, oh, well, that, that woman looks sick. She looks like she is going to die. Often, we give chemotherapy like that to women who we are trying to cure. And in two years, three years, four years, five years down the line, that person would be completely indistinguishable from a non-cancer patient. You would never know that they've gone through what they've gone through. And that is what we're often trying to put in context. You say, look, for these these few weeks, these few months, you may look worse than you are. It may look very different. But when you come out on the other side, the vast majority of you are going to be cured and you're going to look and feel completely normally. Um, so you're right. Yes, hair loss is common. Uh, nail changes are common. So sometimes the nails may get darker or they may become more brittle. We look at where else the cells divide quickly. So we look at your digestive system. So nausea, a bit of acid reflux, sometimes diarrhea. Sometimes you can get blistering in the mouth. All of these are just general side effects. They are more common with some drugs, less common with others. You can get rashes sometimes because the skin cells also divide very quickly. And what we worry about the most with chemotherapy generally is that it can affect where your blood cells are made in the bone marrow because those cells divide very quickly because the blood always replenishes itself, whether it's to make more hemoglobin, whether it's to make more white cells, which help to defend your body against infections. And what chemotherapy can do is it can affect your blood count. It can affect your immune system more specifically. So we often say during chemotherapy, your immune system will be weaker. And that can predispose you to very severe infection, which are not very common. We see them commonly because we give chemotherapy to lots of people. But in any given one circumstance, it's not a very common thing. And we do take precautions against it. Sometimes you give injections to boost your white cell count during chemotherapy and after it to help prevent this. However, 
it is one of the most feared, if not the most feared side effect of chemotherapy. Those are generally the most common categories of side effects. There are specific side effects sometimes with other drugs, like some drugs might affect the nerves and cause tingling and numbness in the hands and feet, etc. But in the main, you're looking at affecting the hair, affecting the nails, affecting the digestive tract in the mouth, affecting the, the bone marrow, affecting the skin. That is where the majority of your side effects are going to come from. But obviously, in addition to that, because we're giving you something that's a bit rough and we're giving it to you regularly so that we can stop the cancer cells from regrouping and regrowing, it's just very common to feel tired. It's very common to feel tired. It's very common to feel run down. It's very common to feel like your appetite is down and that your taste is a bit different to what it used to be. Those are by far the most common side effects we see on chemotherapy. Well, what about complications? Because you have uh, chemicals entering your system, but you might be, let's just say they are medication for something else. But are yeah. there complications that could occur with chemotherapy? Yes and no. In the main, for the majority of patients, we just advise them to continue their regular medication. So if you're taking medications for diabetes or high blood pressure, high cholesterol, we would usually continue those during chemotherapy. But chemotherapy obviously can cause complications in and of itself. It is a drug that the body has never had before, so you can react to it. Sometimes you can have allergic reactions or just reactions to the infusion of the drug, which is why we give it under nursing supervision when we're infusing it. There was an inspiring story about a British rower. Her name is Erin Kennedy. She was recently diagnosed with breast cancer. That was in May. Now, her determination to participate in the World Rowing Championships, that is what kept her motivated and focused. Now, she had a choice, either be pessimistic about the whole situation, being diagnosed with cancer and giving up, or two, being optimistic and fighting. And she chose the latter, obviously. So, she, yes, she participated in the World Rowing Championships, even with chemotherapy treatments. So she kept up with an exercise routine and a diet. And yes, she had to make some adjustments because of the chemotherapy. But when I saw her online talking and then I saw photos, I mean, she was glowing and she was more than happy to share her experience dealing with uh, the diagnosis, uh, keeping up with chemotherapy and working on her sport, on her passion, which was rowing. So two things stood out for me. One, doing something that you absolutely love, something that you enjoy. It's always a good distraction. And two, exercise. So we're very close to wrap-up time, Dr. Maniam. So how about, as an oncologist, you share with us some tips or suggestions for those listening who are cancer patients or those who might be related to someone in chemotherapy things that we can do to help strengthen the body and to help the body through the chemotherapy process? I think there are four important aspects to consider. Right. One is psychology. Two is your social support network. Three would be diet and nutrition. Four would be exercise. And what you said there covers so many of those things. So if you look at psychology, it is extremely important. And we actually have evidence for it that the more afraid you are of chemotherapy, or the more anxious you are, the more complications you tend to get. Having a positive mindset, having a, a resilient mindset, these are not just important when facing chemotherapy. They're also important when facing cancer or indeed just in general. So having a positive mindset and a resilient mindset definitely is important. Doing the things that keep you that way, whether it's prayer, whether it's meditation, whether it's talking to someone, whether it's counseling. Secondly, the social support is very important. It'll be great to have a tight-knit group of friends and family you could call on and you can talk to and you can 
rely on to help you through it. But sometimes the best social support is from having one person or even just withdrawing from certain people if they are too involved or they're just creating too much stress, even if they mean well. When we say social support, it's essentially just getting what support you need, whether it's just a helping hand to help with chores or to help with certain things or someone you could just vent to or someone you could just share your experiences with. When we talk about diet and nutrition, that is always going to be important. But we try not to be very strict when someone is on chemotherapy because we understand that appetite and taste may change. So it's just more important to get things in, get your calories in. It's a, you know, in a way, it's a bit like advising someone who's pregnant. You say, look, yes, of course, you don't have an ideal diet with fresh fruits and vegetables, nuts and grains, poultry and fish, um, you know, avoiding red meat and processed meat and ice cream and cakes and these sorts of things. But ultimately, it's just better to get food in because you're, you're pregnant and you, ha- you have a, a baby to feed. It's more important just to get your carbs and your fats and your proteins and everything in. When you're on chemotherapy, you know, say don't radically change your diet. Just eat and drink what feels appetizing to you. Maintain your weight, maintain your muscle mass. That's more important. If you can't eat it, blend it, drink it, make a punch, make a smoothie. If you really can't get it down in another way. And then fourthly, when it comes to exercise, we always tell people do what you feel comfortable doing. Exercise is very helpful. It's very good. But for someone on chemotherapy, some people can't cope. So sometimes exercise might just look like just taking a walk, just walking for a kilometer or two, or just walking three, four thousand steps a day at your own slow pace. For others, I may be hitting the gym and working three, four times a week. Whatever is comfortable for you, do as much as you feel capable of. And don't push past the point. If you start feeling really unwell or really tired, don't push through it because it's not likely to help you. Just do as much as you feel comfortable with. So many of my patients continue to work and they find that the work is a distraction since you use the word distraction. It's very important. It helps them psychologically and they're still able to carry on relatively normally. For other people, they feel much more disabled during chemotherapy and they need, they need more time and they need more space and the exercise is very gentle. We'll just say to any individual patient, just do what you're able to do. I want to just add here that it's, you also want to be wary of what's on your social media feed. Because I have, in researching for these topics, I, I see a lot of messages, like posts from people, and it's always, you know, the downside of, of cancer and the downside of chemotherapy. And while it's, it's, it's important to note all of this, because it could very well be your, your experience, and we're not trivializing anybody's experience, but at the same time, you come across a post where someone is going through chemotherapy, but they're also doing other things. And you just mentioned some, you, you, some of your patients still go to work. Some patients go, they exercise, they hit the gym, uh, like the story with the, the rower, she still continued doing things that she loved. You might have to tone down a little bit, but you're still able to do stuff. And if you if you were to just look at your social media feed and include more of the positive stories that come with cancer, positive stories that come with chemotherapy and any other treatment, you find that you, you know you, you're not alone. That's one. And two, there is a good side to things. Honestly, I couldn't have said it better than that. I mean, we all have our own biases. Um, you know, as a treating physicians, as the oncologists, we may have a positive bias. We may say, look, 
we really want to help and we may sometimes downplay some of the side effects because we we really want you to benefit from the treatment from a patient perspective and definitely from a social media perspective there is often a negative bias it's just the fact that negative news dramatic news tends to share itself more widely and sell itself more widely than positive news because if someone went through chemotherapy had very few side effects and continued to live a normal life they're probably not going to post about it but if someone had a terrible side effect of chemotherapy you're probably going to see more of those on media and everything is there in context every oncologist is going to have a handful of genuinely terrifying stories about chemotherapy that influences how they think and they always see those situations and think i'm going to be a bit more cautious in these situations but they're going to have hundreds more positive stories or even just normal stories along the way it's very rare that you see someone permanently affected by chemotherapy in a negative way what you've said is honestly perfect it's completely relevant to everything that i would have wanted to say social media can be your best friend and your worst enemy it really depends on what you're looking for and on that note we have come to the end of this episode my guest dr akash maniam an oncologist currently practicing in the uk he's also a clinical director at the ngo caribbean cancer research initiative the ccri if you'd like to know more dr maniam as we wrap up how about you share some details we're a group of people who are here to help and i think when we discuss what we discussed earlier about social support and advice regarding diet exercise etc think of us as a port of call we are here to help provide advice provide guidance provide medical nursing etc uh, you know guidance and sometimes reassurance and just knowing that you're not alone is enough to help get someone through the journey so please reach out to us you can reach us at ccrinitiative.com and once you get to our webpage you can see all of our contact information you can email us you can contact us directly through the webpage there's a whatsapp number a phone number you can find us on instagram you can find us on on facebook etc just reach out to us no matter how small you might think it is or how silly you might feel it doesn't matter we've seen everything we're just here to help and honestly sometimes it just takes having someone to listen to you and to give you a shoulder to help get you through this and if we can provide that we're very happy to do so